there, I'm Leslie Goodburn. You're listening to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. In the podcast, we look at pancreatic cancer across its impacts, outcomes, and future treatment and support. We'll hear from patients, loved ones about the reality of the diagnosis. We'll hear from surgeons, oncologists, and nurses about the work they do to support people who are affected. We'll hear about the wonderful work done by researchers to find a breakthrough in understanding and treatments for the future. We hope that as a result of the podcast, you'll learn more about the signs and symptoms, about how this diagnosis affects the family, about the hope for the future. Thank you for listening. Charlotte and I look forward to you joining us on our journey through pancreatic cancer throughout the 30 days of November with contributors from across the world. The Purple Rainbow podcasts are produced as part of Seth's legacy in memory of my wonderful, kind, curious, funny husband, Seth Goodburn. Hello, welcome to today's episode. I'm Charlotte and today I am chatting with Pilar del Valle. She's based in Spain and is a research nurse, but before that, she was working in England for the NHS. I'll let her tell you more. I work uh, during three years for um, a clinical nurse specialist for um, HPV patients, which we call uh, hepatopancreatobiliary patients, and that includes uh, patients with pancreatic cancer. And um, mainly I met uh, patients at the time of diagnosis. So um, I used to see the patients when they first got the diagnosis about pancreatic cancer. And um, uh, we used to do a clinic together with the consultant when the patient, you know, um, heard the first time that they had cancer. And then we tried to um, help these patients go through um, the treatment options and the supporting patients with symptom management and um, and just try to liaise with the rest of the centers and the rest of the hospitals in Manchester, really, um, just to try to to start treatment for these patients. And the differences are between sort of Spain and in England, there, there isn't that role, is there in Spain so much? Uh, no, we don't have the role as such. Um, so, um, so basically I trained in Spain and then I moved to Manchester because I wanted to have experience abroad. And I've never worked with specialist nurses before until I moved to the UK. Um, and then uh, the first time I was working in the wards, uh, in the surgical wards for um, hepatopancreatobiliary surgery patients, I saw these nurses coming in and they were just making so many decisions, talking to the patients. They look very smart <laughs> and specialized. And I just thought, Ooh, who are these people? I do like these things. And, and they explained to me about how you can specialize in the UK and you can be a specialist nurse for different systems, part of the body, things like that. And um, and since that time, I I like it, the role, and I thought I could, you know, develop my career and get something like that. Because um, in Spain, we don't have that. We do have a system that you have staff nurses. And then if you want to develop or progress normally, you do just go into more like a managerial role. So you are a war manager or you work as a matron or just in the director aspect of it. Um, but as a nurse, like clinical nurse, you just be like a staff nurse or you can work in community. Um, I know these days we do, we do have some hospitals in some areas of Spain that are starting to have some nurses that are being more specialised in something. Uh, but generally speaking, it's not like in the UK that you can just develop your career and you have bands 
and you have specialist nurses, I don't know, like cancer, ITU, diabetes, all the other things. We, we don't have this thing in here. And what was it like working as a as a clinical nurse specialist, what did what what was it like for you? What did you get from it? I did it for three years, as I said, and I, I don't know. I love it. Um, it was it was hard at times. I mean, don't get me wrong. Patients with cancer is not an easy topic. Um, you see a lot of people suffering. You see happiness as well, but you see a lot of people suffering. And um, but I don't know. I like I liked I could from the very beginning of the diagnosis of a patient, just create a bond with the patient that you feel like the patient trusts you. Um, you probably know that um, patients, when they go to see the doctors in the clinic, they talk to the doctors in one way, but then they tell you a lot more things to the nurses that they don't say to the doctor. So things about emotional support, how they felt. Um, it was it, There is a period at the time of diagnosis, I think that the patients got a lot of fear uncertainty about what's going to happen and what the final diagnosis is going to be treatment option all of these things so um just just being there for the patient and being able to just support the patient and 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 just you are the voice of the patient as well i think because something else that you do is because you are a specialist nurse you go a certain level in nursing that you can you do have a voice to say what you want and just to say as well patient wishes i think so you are like the patient, the people who represent the person who represents the patient um, when you are in meetings or. I really like that that you are the you know the voice of the patient. You're representing the patient, and you're right. People do speak to nurses differently to doctors. You're, it's almost like nurses are a little bit more accessible, aren't they? Yeah, I think um, I, just just going back into my regular what used to be my regular practice. You see the doctors in the clinic. The doctors tell you, oh, we found something and we don't know what it is yet or we do know what it is. And it all sounds in general, I'm not talking about all the doctors, but generally speaking, it does sound very medical. And then you finish the clinic and then you go with the patient yourself to another area and you ask the patient. And so many patients don't really understood <laughs> what they were told and they have a lot of questions, what's going to happen, this and that. And I think just having the opportunity to explain the diagnosis or just the, the actual conversation plain, not using medical terms and just listen to the patients, what they want, what's going to happen next, if they got any symptoms. Um, I don't know, a lot of patients come to clinic and the first diagnosis they got it was because they got a lot of, a lot of abdominal pain. Um, so just not, just telling them we're going to be in touch with another service or with another department, they're going to help you with pain and then we're going to do this and it's going to help you with your nutrition if you have problems with eating or if you've lost a lot of weight and just, just giving them some answers and, and place that they can point and they can go. I think that helped them a lot to just, you know, calm down a bit of all the anxieties and how they've been feeling. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you 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 learn absolute loads to doing it. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, I did. I did learn loads because um, I think not you not only learn about obviously pancreatic cancer, the symptoms, side how to look for it, how to look after these patients. I think you. I did. I did develop a lot of skills about emotional support. For example, I did learn about how to listen better. Um, like I think nurses, we do have the skill of listening, right? But uh, but in this 
specific cancer group or in this specific um, speciality as a cancer, you do really need to sit down and just listen to what the patient is telling you and how they're feeling and just being able to identify the, you know, the cues that what is going on really and then you talk with them and and yeah, I just, um, I feel like sometimes something that I really learn with the listening part of it and just emotionally support is that you always want to say something right to the patient and you always want to give them an answer about everything. And sometimes you don't have an answer and that's okay. Some patients just want to be listened and just feel like somebody's there for them, but not necessarily have the answer about something, you know? Okay. That's really powerful, actually, just being acknowledged being and being heard. And sometimes that is more powerful or more useful than an answer or, or sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so, because I, I had experience before when you just had a big conversation with your patient and after half an hour... I've not really said much, really, or any advice or anything. But at the end, the patient said, oh, thanks for listening. I just wanted to, you know, speak that up and tell somebody. Because I'm not able to tell to anybody in my family, for example, because I don't want to share these feelings with my family. But I can share it with you. Um, and that's just, just, yeah, the power of just listening, I think. Yeah. And obviously, you're back in Spain now working as a research working in research so you're not necessarily on the front line with patients but what skills have you brought over that you you know you're sharing with your colleagues or 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 using in, in what you're doing now do you think right now i'm a research nurse so i work a bit like a study coordinator in phase one clinical trials so i not only see patients with pancreatic cancer i do see patients with all type of cancers so um i think um probably when I see a patient with pancreatic cancer, I feel like, oh, yes, <laughs> this is my little, you know, like just somebody that I know and I've been able to identify things with them and symptoms and maybe give advice and things like that. But I think generally speaking, when you are a CNS, you develop your skills as well into like multidisciplinary teams. So you are able to talk with other people um, and um, and that help you as well to, you know, learn things about other other. Um, Specialities like, for example, Macmillan nurses or palliative care or, or um, pain or, I don't know, nutrition, things like that. So all of that, even that I am working in trials now, I can use all of that information to give it to my patients as an advice when I'm doing the education about the trial and about, you know, the side effects of the medication and things and that. And then sometimes I can say, oh, and if you have these side effects, you could do this. Or if you have the other thing, you could do that. Um, and then, yeah, I think when you are a CNS as well, you learn how to identify symptoms and um, emergency situations earlier because the patient calls you and they tell you, oh, I have this problem or, or I've been having this issue for this long. And I think because I've learned how to identify these things and how to trigger these things, um, not to trigger, sorry, to, to triage these things, I can use that as well now because working in trials, you need to be able to identify side effects early to be able to report that. So I think, uh, I think I can I can use that as well. I don't know. I have a lot of things I could tell you. <laughs> no, it's I lovely. Feel like it's, it's, yeah, it feels um, like this has been like a really transformative three three years for you as a nurse. 
Yeah, I I did work with an amazing team and I learned a lot. And uh, I think my previous experience was always working in the wards as a staff nurse or as a sister. And it's not that you work with the same people all the time, but I think as a CNS, I did work with so many different teams that I managed to learn a bit of all of them and a bit of the process as well about how to link with different hospitals. I, I increased my knowledge in things that I will never thought that a nurse could do, like, I don't know, review radiology with doctors or, um, yeah, like prescribing things. I didn't manage to do my prescription core, but I was about to do it when I left the country. So these type of things I wouldn't, I never thought I could do as a nurse back in Spain. Um, so I think uh, I did enjoy working as a CNS and I think I got a lot of positive things for my future career, I think. <laughs> Would you like to do it again? Not necessarily in England in the NHS. Oh, yeah, I would love to. I mean, if, just in case somebody from my world is listening. <laughs> Obviously, you love your job now. <laughs> I do. I do love my job. And I have to say, comparing to what I had in Manchester, I am still feeling a bit special here because what I'm doing is very special. You know, not everybody works in trials and not everybody works in phase one clinical trials, which is best times in humans trials. So, um, so I feel I feel very grateful for that. But I wish I could develop the role of the CNS in Spain in the future, because I just think the person, the role of the CNS is so important for the patients. Just having somebody that they can call, somebody that they can ask things, somebody can that you know support. In general, just everything, uh, just all the anxiety they go at home and they don't have anybody to share with, or or and then not just talking to them directly, just in the back door inside the hospital, you chasing things with biopsy results just to try to get biopsy results quicker. You just um, chasing radiology reports to get it quicker. You go to MDTs and when the doctors are, or the, the full team are just trying to say, let's do this for the patient, let's do that. You can say, no, but the patient don't want that. The patient has told me, I want this, this and that. Um, or you go to the to the wards and, and and you see a patient who really wants to go home because the end of, it's, it's, it's just at the end of his life and they just want to go home and they don't want more medical um, support or not. And sometimes that's difficult as well in, in the in the medical setting that they, we just try and try and try. And, and sometimes it's important to just say the patient doesn't want that. And I think as a CNS, you go the level to say that and be listened. Yeah. Um, so I wish I could bring that <laughs> to Spain <laughs> with you as the, word, the question if you ask me. That would be fantastic, though, wouldn't it? Maybe maybe this will start the ball rolling. It might be a big ball that's going to take a long time maybe. to roll, but let's hope it gets going. Yeah, I just, I know sometimes, uh, once somebody said to me that years ago they didn't have specialist nurses in the UK. That is not something that has been going forever. So fingers crossed, maybe in the future we can have something similar here. Um, I don't know about other specialities. I'm not going to go into that, but I think for cancer, it is really, really needed that you have that figure of the specialist nurse who can support you. And um, yeah, and just just be there for the patients and use the skills, the knowledge, everything to just to just 
give, um, give a, a better quality of care, you know? Just at the end of the day, it's just quality for the patients because they're going off. They, you, just, you just want them to, to feel the best possible with everything, I think. Thank you so much to Pilla for talking to me and sharing her thoughts on the differences between England and Spain and what she took away from working as a CNS in England. Don't forget, we've got a podcast episode for you every every weekday throughout November. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And of course, you can go to purplerainbow.co.uk to find out a little bit more about what we're up to.